welcome to Talk Darby to me once again. I'm Blake Fallows. Thank you very much for, for tuning in once again. Thank you to Connect Red, SMJ Brady and Elite Football Development. Week after week they're backing us and keeping this going so thank you to all of them. Some breaking news. We've got our own cocktail. The Blacksmith's Lounge on, uh, on Sadlergate have, have just dropped off a load of Talk Derby to me cocktails. I've not had it. I've not actually tried it yet. Hang on, let me have a nice. It's a bit mental seeing talked up to me on the label and that. Yeah, I've got um, I think there's ten different ones he's dropped off to me. So nice one to Marco Dwyer from from Blacksmith. See the delivering cocktails during lockdown. So go in, go and check them out because um, it's really nice. Genuinely, really nice. So um, yeah, go and check Blacksmith's Lounge out and thank you to them for for the cocktail and go and get get yourself a talked up to me cocktail and send you your pictures. Before I get pissed on Blacksmith's Lounge cocktails, let's talk about today's guest. It's a legend. The biggest legend we've had on so far by by some distance, I think. I've had it's the most messages and social interaction I've had about a podcast. It's Bobby Davison. Legend for Derby in the in the eighties, from Division Three right up to Division One, uh, under Arthur Cox. Bit of a cult hero. As it turns out, an absolute legend to talk to as well. What a really nice bloke. He's actually texted me a couple of times since about Derby County stuff and just a really lovely down-to-earth bloke. So I'm going to get on this and um, I'll let you listen to uh, Rams legend Bobby Davison. So welcome and happy new year to... Bobby Davidson, the first Talk Derby to Me podcast of, of 2021. Uh, how are you? In the, how's Christmas been for you? Um, very quiet. Um, Happy New Year to, to yourself and to everybody who's um, going to listen to this. Hopefully it's um, successful and safe for everybody. Um, strange times at the moment. Um, very different Christmas to what you normally have. Usually, you know, out at football matches watching games. Um, unfortunately, I've had to stay home and you know, catch up with them on the, on the TV like everybody else, which has not been ideal. Um, fortunate enough, before um, I've done one or two Rams TV, which I, I, I really enjoyed. Um, but it's not the same. It's not the same without, um, without fans, I think. Um, and the players, I find the players are different. I think um, it'll suit some players. Then some players who I think um, in my career I've, I've you know been next to players who need that crowd to get them going, if you like, which is which is a strange thing to say. But then you've got other players who prefer not to have that crowd shouting at them um, for whatever reason. So it's um, it's it's been different. It's been it's been interesting watching players and seeing how um, different players deal with no crowd being there. It's interesting because I, I thought this because Derby have conceded something ridiculous. I think eight or nine goals in the last ten minutes that have cost them points and at Pride Park. And if you if you've got twenty eight thousand people there willing you over the line, that, does that sometimes make a difference having that 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 crowd behind you? I think it, it's a difficult one because. Um, I suppose, certainly for me at the baseball ground, the, the noise was was incredible because you know it used to be so close to the to the to the fans and everything. But then, when you think about it, it it's you know rightly or wrongly, you come to sort of expect it, you appreciate it, but you expect that noise. So in the end, it's just it's noise. Mm. I think, um, and the atmosphere is fantastic. Um, the bad noise is if um, if it's gone quiet and somebody wants to slaughter you, um, and you can hear your names, you can hear your name, but you don't know what they've said, and you go, oh, "I'm probably getting slaughtered here," um, but you might not be. Um, so yeah, it's 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 strange, and um, you know, I think sport needs supporters to 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 be there, and I think yeah, maybe sportsman, I would think, you know, likes and enjoys having. You know, some kind of support there. We'll go right back to the to the very start of your career, just to start. And last week we had a, or the week before last, I think actually we had Phil Brown on, and I never knew that you've known him for for quite a while. Actually played in the same in the same local side back back home, didn't you? 
Yeah, we sort of grew up together. Um, we lived on the same, um, well, then a council estate um, up in, in South Shields or just out, you know, just on the on the fringes of South Shields between South Shields and um, and, and Sunderland. Um, went, went to different schools, but we played in the same junior team um, where now you have obviously academies. Back then you had... Junior teams, which you know, you, you played from, I don't know, fourteen to to eighteen, in in, in them teams. Then then we played um, in the same Sunday Sunday team, uh, which was a basically a pub team. So us growing up, you know, Phil like myself came into the game late. You know, he had apprenticeship as I think he was an electrician um, in one of the big firms up in them. Um, up in South Shields, I did a four-year apprenticeship um, in the shipyards. So we came from the same background. So we were friends. We had a big gang of us, not not like gangs now, I have mm, to say, yeah. but okay. ga- a gang on our estate that, you know, we play football together. Um, you know, we go out, we go into South Shields, we go to a local pub, which is called the Red Duster, which I'm not sure if it's still there. And we played for that team on a on a Sunday uh, and we grew up and funny enough we both came into the professional game within a month six weeks of each other mm-hmm. where Phil went to Hartlepool um, and I went to, to Huddersfield Town. I, I spoke to Phil about this and asked him how much the game's changed now obviously you're involved in the coaching side of things now which we'll get on to a, a bit later on but does it give you a different different grounding to go and do your four-year apprenticeship when you leave school on the shipyard and then go and play some of the leagues where you're probably getting hacked down as a centre-forward by some some 35-year-old bloke who's probably had too much on a Saturday night? And then does that give you a different grounding as a footballer? Is it different? You know uh, yeah, I know what you're trying to get. I think I would have preferred what, what it's like today where, you know, you're at school, you're, you're attached to an academy um, and when you leave school, you, you know, you sign... For that um, football club at academy level, I think that would have been a lot nicer. Uh, Point enough, I was talking to my wife this morning about um, working when I worked in the shipyards and I worked on it was a, a naval yard. Okay. Um, so we worked on um, warships, if you like, yeah. um, aircraft carriers and everything. I was just I was just explaining to her, you know, it was nine decks, but the decks where we worked as because I was a welder was about, I think, three foot by three foot square. So it's like an egg box. So you have to go in there with your gear um, and an extractor fan and weld all the the metals together. Um, And, you know, now I look back and go, wow, shouldn't have been doing that. That was dangerous. You know, the fumes and what have you. Um, So to, to answer your question, your grounding, yeah, I just wanted to get out of there as soon as possible. But I got to the age of 18, um, thinking probably time, you know, has passed to trying to be a, a professional footballer. Um, and like I just mentioned, myself and Phil were fortunate to to get a chance. You know, we had our Sunday league team was very, very good. Um, so obviously the scouts were out and we, we got spotted. So, you know, absolutely delighted, delighted for Phil. Phil's had a super career. You know, he was a fantastic player. Um, and then he went on to, you know, become a very, very good coach. Is it still a difficult decision to go into football at, the, at that time? Because it's not necessarily a guaranteed career. So to, to leave doing your apprenticeship and going into football, or is it just, I just want to be a footballer? I think um, it was difficult in terms of um, I was getting paid more being a, a welder in the shipyards, just just apprentice welder that is as well, not a, not a time served welder. I still had you know um, a couple of more years to, to go. Um, then I was getting um, when I signed professional, not at academy, professional contract at Huddersfield Town. Um, it was I think I was making a loss time. I, time I fed myself and. Um, Travelled back to the northeast because obviously my wife, who's, who's, I'm fortunate to say she's still my wife today. Um, we got married when I was at Huddersfield. That's when I was twenty, just going twenty-one. 
um, and had to sort of buy a house and and live away from home. Um, so it was extremely difficult. Um, and often we said we should have probably stayed in the shipyards because we were getting more money. And we would have um, probably been a little bit safer staying in them shipyards for the first 10, 15 years. Not so much these days because, you know, they've all um, sort of disappeared. That's, it's, it's incredible. It's only what, 40 odd years ago, isn't it? But it's how oh, football's come on now and now you get lads that have really never played a first team game earning life changing money. So it's just completely too yeah. yeah, but I think that's the way of the world, isn't it? I think, yeah, of course, uh, yeah. You're looking back and, you know, you see, you know, they, the sports people, you know, men and women in the, in the USA, you know, going back many, many years, the amount of um, salaries, you know, the top, top salaries that the, them people were getting, then it sort of came across the pond over to the UK with obviously TV and Sky and everything where the money just just shot up. And so I, I could sit here and say, oh, you know, I wish I was playing now. I do. But at the same time, you know, um, good luck. That's that's the way, way things happen, you know, um, back Back in the day, you know, when I was at Derby, you know, you could buy a house for, you know, what? I don't know. I, I think I bought a four-bedroom house, um, me and the wife, and double garage for, I think, £50,000. Wow. You know, I think <laughs> I think today, you know, them houses cost you, you know, five five 500000 um, So it's, you know, swings and roundabouts, I think. The, the so your first professional club Huddersfield and then the, the move to Derby County where um I've said this a couple of times but it's not very often when I get a reaction like I've had a reaction to putting on the well, I'm gonna be recording with you today and people sending in questions and stuff. It's it, you are a legend and um so but you came in uh was it a difficult time to come in and how did the, the move first come about to, to come from Huddersfield to Derby? It was interesting because I obviously I went Signed with Huddersfield when I was 20, 21. I just finished my apprenticeship in the shipyards. And made a couple of first-team appearances. Then um, Halifax Town came knocking. Um, and I, to be fair, I just looked at it and went, 21, I need to play first-team football. So off I went to Halifax um, and had, I think, just a, probably a year um, and got spotted playing in a game Halifax against Wimbledon um, away down 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 in London um, and scored a hat trick. Um, so then, obviously, you know things started moving where people got were interested. I think two weeks after that, um, I got invited to go to Arsenal. Okay. So I remember, I still laugh about this, getting on the train to go down to Arsenal and I've got this big, you know, Fools and Horses? Yes. Yeah. And that big sheep, sheepskin coat yeah. that Del Boy has. Well, I had one of them. I got on the train to go to London um, and I was getting met at the other end by somebody from Arsenal. Didn't know him. Absolutely bag of nerves, getting off the train and standing there. Don't know who's picked me up. Um, and somebody's just come up to me he said, are you? I went, yeah. He went, yeah. I thought you looked like a footballer. <laughs> Whatever a footballer looks like. Um, and took me to some digs. Um, and I had a week down at, at Arsenal, which was absolutely fantastic. Loved it. Um, not sure about the travel in and out of London. I was staying with the, um, the physio and his family, um, which was only a few miles from... Um, the stadium, Highbury, uh, but it took us about an hour in the car to get there. Uh, I'm thinking, and obviously newly married, mm-hmm. and my wife's thinking, you know, she's a girl from the northeast, and thinking, no, I don't, don't we really want to go to live in London? Mm-hmm. Um, and we weren't sure, but Terry Neal was the manager. He pulled me in the office after my week's training and went, yeah. Like to offer you a contract. Wow. Then at the same time, Terry says to me, he says, but there's an issue that um, Halifax are being on 
and there's another club that want to buy you as well. So Halifax are sort of playing a game. Who's going to pay the most money? And I think to be fair, both clubs were paying going to pay the same same amount, whatever it was, seventy thousand, ninety thousand. I'm not sure. Um, and I just I did think about it and went, can I go? This is there's your train ticket. There's and you, to be fair, Terry Neal, give me some money for spending money for you know coming down. Mm. I said, listen, you know, there's a hundred quid. There's your train ticket. Have a think about it. Um, got back, had a chat with the wife, and I played against Derby in a cup game for Halifax, two-legged cup, cup game, and I scored a couple of goals. And obviously, the experience of playing at the baseball ground under floodlights and the crowd, and that was that stuck in my mind. The memory of that—that that was wow, fantastic. Imagine playing here every home game. You know, um, this is unbelievable. Obviously, hadn't played at Oslo, just just trained there, um, and we decided that probably best for us that um, probably had more chance of getting in Derby's first team, as Peter Taylor was telling me all the time. This is being our first team. You're not going to get in Arsenal's first team, um, and he's probably right. Mm-hmm. So. We came down. We came down to Derby and um, settled in Derby. And I have to say, for all the fans out there who are who are going to listen to this, um, it's absolutely been a great time in our, in our lives. Our daughter was born in the city hospital. You know, the, the people at the city hospital, the doctors, nurses, looked after my wife, looked after me. Um, great, great memories of away from the football club at Derby, you know, the supporters, the people in the streets, you know, the people that we got to know, neighbours, um, absolutely loved it. And it's it's obviously my club, if I like. I know I've grown up and people won't like this. I was Leeds United supporter, everybody knows, knows that. And that was, only, that was the only team I was ever going to want to leave Derby for. Um, when 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 Leeds came knocking, I think my time was up at Derby. Mm. I think I recognised that. Um, the manager wanted me out as well because um, he had younger, probably better players coming in. Um, so you know, I turned down Watford halfway through my contract at Derby County. Um, I'll tell you a quick story about that. Playing Sunderland um, at the baseball ground, scored and got called in Arthur's office after the game. Dad was there. Um, he came in the office. Um, I spoke to spoke to Graham Taylor, who sat there and wanted me to go to, to Watford. Had a good think about it. Didn't really want to leave. Um, obviously, more money on the table, but as we spoke earlier, you know, a four-bedroom, double garage, beautiful part of the world, Derby, £50,000 house. was going to cost me, um, you know, I'd get a, a one-bedroom you know, one bedroom or one sleeping bag tent for £50,000 in, in Watford. You know, so not that that was why I didn't, didn't go. I just felt that, um, you know, I was happy, very happy at Derby. Family were happy and wanted to wanted to wanted to stay there. Well, we had uh, Kevin Wilson on um, a few weeks back, and uh, he, he was your strike partner when he first came into the club. Is it is it true that it was between him and you who went to Ipswich? Um, apparently so. Apparently so. I mean, you you you, you know, we we sort of got told that, but how true that was, I, I don't know. I what I do what I do remember. I remember the game. Um, I've got a photo. Um, I don't have any photos in the house um, or trophies or anything like that. Um, they're all in boxes and probably I think uh, in my mum's house up in up in New, Newcastle. I don't I don't keep anything like that um, on show. Um, but I've got a picture. I've got I've got two pictures that I really love um, from Derby County. 
one, I think all, this, all the fans listening in would love this one. One was me scoring a header against Mervyn Day, Leeds United goalkeeper at the baseball ground. You know, that's my pride and joy. Um, I love I love that one. Um, and I've got the other one is me scoring a diving header against Ipswich. Um, so there are two photos that kept and got framed. And, and, and Playing against Terry Butcher and Russell Osmond, I thought Kevin and myself give him a, a, a tough night. Really tough, tough game. Um, and I think that was the reason why the manager, um, Bobby Robson, came. Darby knocking on the door asking, you know, um, I want to buy. As it happens, got Kevin. You know, he, he could have come knocking on the door. I, I like to buy both of them. I like to buy one or the other. Um, I don't know. The story has it that it was both of us, but I'm not 100% sure about that. Uh, a question you might not be able to answer. We've had, obviously, Kev Wilson on and we've had Phil G on uh, a while ago. Um, and the question that someone wanted to know was, who was your, your favourite striking partner when you was when you was at Derby? Can you can you pick between them? Uh, all of them, not just the two I've mentioned. They've all, they've all, there's all different ones, isn't there? I mean, me, I, think, I think people forget as well, one of my first games, um, Dave Swindlehurst played. Then Dave moved on into West Ham. John Richards, the legend from Wolverhampton Wanderers, came in, played alongside John. Then I played alongside Trevor Christie. And Trevor and I, you know, I thought that was a great partnership, you know, because he's a big, big centre forward, holds the ball up, flicking balls on. And we had a, we had a great partnership. Then, obviously, you know, with with Kevin, good partnership with Kevin, very similar, I think. Um, caused problems for, I think, defenders. You know, a lot of them didn't particularly like playing against us, um, and. You know, and then 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 Phil and Phil G came along, a young lad who was learning the game. Um, I remember Arthur Cox saying one one day because John Gregory was having a go. I think Phil Phil's gone broke away, and what he should do is he should square the ball across a six yard box, and and I score, and he shoots, and it goes wide, and and Greg's is absolutely slaughtered him, rightly yeah. so. He's given some, and Arthur's just said, leave him alone, let him do what he wants. And you go, yeah. okay, if that's what you, if that's how he wanted. Um, but John, John was, John was correct. Um, so I, I personally couldn't, couldn't choose Kevin. Kevin's been on earlier, like I said to you before, telling me that I've got to choose him. But um, <laughs> no, no I, I, I wouldn't choose. I think um, something, I think every one of them yeah. made me a better player. So really? I wouldn't like to. I wouldn't like to choose any of them um, to say they were the best partner because I think I think they they give me something um, every every each each and every one of them. You mentioned Trevor Christie as well, and one of the other questions people want to know about is that the famous Friday night against Rotherham when um, promotion was sealed. I watched it on on YouTube last night. Actually, after someone sent it in, and it's. Uh, I still can't see what the penalty is given for, but that's a that's a different story. What are, what are your memories of, of that Friday night? My memories are um, going down one nil. Mark Wallington, yeah, coming coming for a ball like Superman, and they they score. And my big big buddy who is no longer with us, Rob Haymarsh, um, absolutely slaughtered them. And Wally, Mark Wallington being Wally, he just turned to Rob and went, listen, there's still 80 minutes to go. Go and get us a winner. And that's, 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 how, that's what I remember of the, of the game. I don't remember, you know, um, much more really. I, that, that, I think that just stuck in my mind. Oh, I do remember, you know, when we all had to slide over on our knees in front of the um, director's box. Um, but I think um, just speaking to to Rob afterwards, that it's one of them. I don't, I don't, I don't know if people understand, but when you fight and work so hard for something in in, in life, not just in sport, and you and you get that and gain it, it's sort of and sit down and just relax 
Mm. Um, that's that's how that's how I am. If I if I've achieved anything, you know, I've been for a run this morning. Um, that I do most days different ones or pills. I get back and I check me me watch and what my heart rate's been, the average and everything. Then I just sit down and go, yeah, just relax and go, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of content. Is the word I'm looking for. Um, and that's 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 how I am in football. It's a very underrated, well, not underrated as much as, because obviously the 70s and everything gets um, spoken about a lot with Derby County, but the, it was an amazing period, the the time that you were at the club. There was uh, back-to-back promotions under under Arthur Cox, and I'd like to speak about Arthur as, as whenever we've got anyone who played for him on. What what was it about him that brought that that kind of, that side together and, and took him through up to Division 1 and up to 5th in Division 1 eventually? Um. It's difficult because I, I I think from me being on a um, being a coach, um, a head coach in a in a foreign country, um, and working I've worked with um, the national team England on the 19s. I think what I, what I found on coaching, you can be a, a very very good coach, an excellent coach, and put on an organ you know, put on great sessions, organize your team and everything. But I think this, the, the secret for me is players. Picking the right players, putting them in the right positions, getting them players to perform. And the, the one thing that I talk about all the time um, is one thing that you're guaranteed in football is look good and bad. And I think, you know, every team or certainly successful teams will have good and bad luck. Um, I think there's a you mentioned earlier there's a, there's a work ethic about um, certain teams teams that are champions people who are champions at different sports their worth work ethic is um, is is up there and I think um, yeah I think you've got to give obviously credit to Arthur but don't forget somebody alongside him. No, I think um, needs a lot of a lot of praises. Roy McFond. I think um, no, Roy Roy was immense. I think um, Arthur was more sort of trying to get into players' minds um, than than working any magic or anything on the on the on the training grounds. I think um, yeah, I, I, in my coaching. Um, road now is you take something from every coach or every manager that you've worked under um, good and bad and I think um, I think Arthur's what I took from Arthur is gets into players minds um, but then he has something that he would want to do every day the same thing every day and that, that, that works in certain um, aspects of life. I think there's, there's people, you know, with mental health issues and everything who need that sort of, you know, every day. You know, I need to get up at this time. I need to have my breakfast this time. Um, and I, I think that's how Arthur worked. You know, everything was, you know, Monday we're going to do this. Tuesday this is what we're going to do. Match days we do this. And nothing ever changed. Then you look at other top managers and coaches um, they sort of not afraid to change things um, so I, I think Arthur fantastic although I have I do have a gripe about him I was going to ask say. you about that yeah, I was yeah. Ask you um, but Roy McFarlane I have to say Roy McFarlane was a you know, was a I think um, I think a a, a a big person around around the team. I, I think all. I, I, I'd like to ask Roy this sometime. I think Roy would have probably done things a little bit different himself. I think. I don't know. Um, and I think Roy could have probably. I would like to see Roy work with the team um, on his own a lot more. I've I've heard this story a few times over the years. I'm not sure how true it is, so apologies if it's, if it's not. But the, the way you came back, you obviously you left um, Derby to go to to go to Leeds and then and came back on loan 
to Derby and scored. It was it eight goals when you came back um, for your loan spell, and then was kind of promised a move that that never happened. Is is that true with with Arthur? Yes, that's that's true. Uh, started off that. Um, well, it's, it's it's yeah. It's, it started off with when I just before I was coming back on loan, Howard Wilkinson, who was my manager at Leeds United, said to me that Derby want to take you on loan back on you know on loan. Um, he said, "I'm allowing you to go." Because it was a, it was a very similar to what happened at Derby, where I had my time at Derby, you know, five five years, five seasons, um, and I realised by time I'd probably come to an end. And the the coaching staff and the manager was starting to bring in better, probably younger players. And the same, excuse me, the same thing um, happened happened at Leeds. I went to Leeds, similar situation as Derby, and got successful, and they started bringing in better, better players and younger players. Um, so I was getting pushed out, you know, and that's what that's what happens. Um, but on the day where Howard spoke to me and said, um, saying they've been on Derby County, do you want you to go on loan? Um, we said you can. Do you want to go? And I said, yeah, I, I want to go. Of course I do. And he went, right, he says, the only advice I'll give you, go down today, speak to them, get the deal done. And at first I thought, he just wants it done so he can go and bring somebody else in. Um, and having spoke to Howard um, after this, he said, no, he says, I smelt, he says, I smell a rat. He says, I smelt there was something not, 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 quite, not quite right. He says, so... Um, Try and get you know that's why I was asking to get the deal done. So I go down, play, and a lot of a lot of times during train, I just have to train. Arthur would come up and say, um, "Do you want to sign? Do you want to come back?" And I went, "Yeah, you know I do." This is just put the deal to us. Um, by then, um, I, I had an agent. Um, I said, just put the deal, speak to Hayden. Hayden Evans was my agent. Speak to Hayden and then we'll get the deal done. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. But do you definitely want to come? And he kept asking me every day. And I'm thinking, yeah. Start to think that Howard's probably right. Something, something not quite right here. Then Hayden phoned me and went, trying to get a deal done with Derby. He says, but, he says, what they don't know is, he says, Hayden looked after Marco Cabadini. So, and obviously, Arthur was trying to get Marco Cabadini from Palace, I think he was. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had the same agent, me and Marco. So we knew what was going on. So I'm going in and say, Arthur, and basically, he's looking at me going, yeah, we're going to do the deal. And I'm thinking, he doesn't want both of us. So he's telling He's not telling the truth. And that just went, he went from, you know, me having respect for him to, yeah, just that's it. Uh, and listen, you know, he's a, he's an old man now. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to slag him off. I don't want to say bad words about him. You know, he had a super career in football, you know, um, Newcastle with Kevin Keegan and what he did at Derby. So listen, let's, Part of the game, but I think the one thing I learned is um, just just be honest with people. Does that taint how you feel about Derby County looking back? The, no, the no, no, it's not, nothing, nothing, nothing whatsoever to do with Derby County. Derby County is about the the supporters um, who come, you know, pay good money and watch the team and support the team. Um, Arthur, Arthur was just an employee of. Of Derby County, so uh, no reflection. No, I, I absolutely love the football club. Yeah. Um, always have done. Love the city, love the people, um, even those who slagged me off. Um, which I'll tell you, I'll tell you a quick story about um, when I was I was injured once. I don't know if you've heard this story. I was injured um, and I broke a ball in my foot and I got told I had to, I had to rest. I couldn't play. So I had to go up upstairs, the baseball ground. Uh, there was a, a lounge that um, 
the the supporters could go in and the players just to go in who weren't who weren't playing. And I, I had to go up there to to do a uh, an interview or, or something. Um, so I was going up the stairs and there was people, as I started going up the stairs, two people were walking along and one of them obviously didn't, rec- didn't see me and we just said, oh, he says, that Davison, I hate him. He says, but I think, but I think we're missing. And his mate nudged him and he looked. And I just looked at him and smiled and I walked away and I went, I, I learned a lesson from that. I went, how can that person hear me who doesn't know me? And ever since them days, I, I always look at people um, and people dislike them, which in football is, it happens a lot. I'll always say, well, I don't know them that well. I don't know her that well. So I can't say I hate them because I don't know them. Um, but it's interesting. You know, I hate them, but we miss them. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that, that, that's it. well, that signifies that he rated you, though. If we miss him, so he rated you. So he's got. I don't understand. He's got. Yeah, any just reason. didn't like. He just didn't like me. So, but he didn't really know me. So that was that was a yeah, interesting. But but listen, supporters have opinions about you know, about people, and um, you know, I, I think also as well, you know, a lot of players play through, you know. Um, with injuries, you know, just to help, just to be, you know, um, out there and help the, help the team. And sometimes, you know, we, we, we don't recognise that. And um, if they're having an off day, um, you know, that's that's where your managers and your coaches come in. And, you know, I think with Arthur, you know, Arthur would probably rather you played than left you out. Mm. And, it. I, and I think, I think you know, for me, you've got to make a decision. Say, well, if you're not quite right, I'm just going to leave you out and put somebody else in. Looking back at your time at Derby, I was going to ask. Well, a lot of people have asked what your favourite goal would be, but obviously the goal against Plymouth I've seen on YouTube numerous times. And uh, but the naming the two pictures you've got in the box at home, I'm guessing it's one where you're just about to get your head taken off in it, about two yards out. <laughs> well, I think, I think. Um, uh, all my goals that, that, that I've scored in, in my career, I think I would, I would say I haven't got I haven't got the best goal. Um, I, I would say the better goals or the goals that give me more enjoyment was that one where I was flashing across the six yard box and I was flying in and you're getting a, a, a you know um, a, a, you're sliding in or you're diving in and you're scoring from you know six seven yards out or five yards out. Um, they they they're the goals that I enjoy the most. But, um, you know, yeah, you can look at you know one that you hit with your left foot into the top corner. Um, but they're once in a blue moon. I think um, them ones in and around the six yard box where um, you know might be a tap in or you know somebody like Guy McElwhite or Jeff Chandler's you know smash one across the box and you're just flying in and you, you get you know you get your foot to it and it goes in the back of the net uh, yeah I love them and obviously one-on-ones get a one-on-one you quite enjoy them yeah I, I, I've spoken to quite a few people recently about them because people go down now and, and back in the in the 80s and even 90s when I started watching football strikers would kill themselves to stay on the feet and still score wouldn't they rather than just go down under any kind of I, 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 I swear to you I would never ever go down because for one good reason I wasn't on penalties <laughs> so every time you know if you look at if you look at Derby you know when I first went to Derby you know Archie Archie Gemmell's a penalty taker mm-hmm. then John Robertson you know then you've got um, John Gregory or Trevor Christie you know, they're, they're the penalty takers. Move to other clubs. There's people ahead of you who are who are you know penalty takers. So no, if I could steal my feet and score, I'd rather steal my feet and score than than go down and let somebody else score. I wanted to speak briefly about your coaching and management career in a minute, but just before we do, you, t- looking back at your whole time, your two spells at, at Derby County, what what's the overriding, the overall emotion when you when you reminisce on on the time you spent in Derby? Um, I, I think walking out at the baseball ground, playing for Halifax Town, and that night match, I think uh, that's that's a great memory, um, and wanting to 
come back and, you know, never imagined that I would, but just, just saying to myself, I'd like to play in that, in that team and that is that this stadium, um, if, if possible. Um, but then walking in to the office and, um, you know, sitting down with um, Peter Taylor and Roy um, and signing, that was a, that was a, that was a great time. Um, the worst time was obviously when I had to pick my boots up and leave. Didn't particularly enjoy that. Um, and just the players that you played with, I think. Um, and my wife talks about this all the time about um, your daughter, who's now you know got got a, you know, married and kids and, and everything. Being at the at the stadium and um, sitting and then wooden seats, watching watching the game at the baseball ground, and my daughter turning around and watching fans eating pies. She talks about that a lot. She'll just go. She used to stare at people who were eating <laughs> eating a, a pie, you know, during the game. <laughs> Do you know what? That, that story started so beautifully. I was nearly in tears. I thought I was going to say, looking around at people singing my name. And just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, Even brilliant. Guys. And, and one, one of the other things as well that sticks me in mind all the time as well in the dressing room at the baseball ground, if you took your boots off or your trainers off, the floor was like this. It was like somebody had pinched a load of tires and lay them flat, flattened them out. And it was like rock hard rubber and used to walk on it like. And us, you know, us um, tough professional footballers used to be going, oh, that's so on my feet. That's, it's amazing. They, those weren't the two memories I thought I was going to get, but that's absolutely, absolutely brilliant. Um, and you're going to make a lot of people happy reminiscing because there's, there's a lot of people very excited. Um no, it's a great. Uh, listen, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm being truthful. That, you know, it's, it's a fantastic football club for me. Loved it, absolutely loved it. Tried to come back um, many, many times. Trying to get a coaching job in the academy, but um, unfortunately, um, time has moved on, and I think um, you know, there's, there's no places left um, anymore, which, which is, um, which is sad. Um, you know, I always look back and thought, you know, when Roy finished his management career, you know, he should have been, you know, taken on at academy in some capacity. Um, I think if you look at a lot of big, big clubs, they would take, you know, people like Roy, you know, they would take him and say, listen, come and work at academy. You know, your experience, the stuff. Roy McFarlane was an unbelievable player. You know, I played against him when he was player manager at Bradford. He was absolutely incredible player. Uh, and I've got, I've got to give a mention to, uh, I don't know if you've heard the story, about um, Archie, Archie Gemmel. I've got absolutely my football career to thank Archie Gemmel for. Because when I, when I signed for Derby County, Archie was in the, obviously in the team, but at the end of his career. Um, and that man... The shape he was in, his attitude to training, to matches, his mentality of being a winner, that just rubbed off on me. And I think my my career was set out when I played with Archie Gemmel because I've I look back, I, look, I want to say I look look up to him, but he's only about um, you know, and he he give me a stick as well for saying that, but. He he was that person that you go, yeah. If I were going to have a football career, I've got to do what Archie Gemmel's done. Uh, it's not only Archie. I think Dave, Big Dave Watson, who Manchester City, England, Sunderland. Um, you know when he came and played a few games at Derby, he was the same. The shape he was in was incredible. But Archie Gemmel, because the shape he kept himself in. His mentality to 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 win football matches um, is is just his his understanding of 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 the game and how he played it. Um, he, he 
sort of put me on the right road to, to being a professional footballer. And, I, and that's why I think I played till, you know, I was 40. You know, I, I finished my professional career at 40. Um, but I have to also say, you know, how good Archie was. Um, I went to Rotherham when he was manager. Um, and I understand now, but Archie couldn't understand why players couldn't do what he did. Oh, okay. And, yeah. and I remember I was probably one of the senior players at Rotherham United. I was thinking I was in 36, 37 then, and Archie, I had to go and see Archie because um, he was, you know, he couldn't understand. He was at players in training and what have you. And I went to see him and uh, I, I sat down with him and I said, yeah, you have to understand that you were a top, top player and you're expecting that from them. I said, they're nowhere near as good as what you were, Archie. I said, so you have to understand that, you know, and give a little bit. Um, and I won't tell you what he said because uh, <laughs> no. there's a few swear words. There's a few swear words in there, but basically what he said was, you know, um, you want to be a professional footballer, and you've got to get, you know, um, do what he did. Basically, yeah, um, he's absolutely, you know, got got my whole career to thank um, Archie for. It's amazing because obviously since we've not been able to watch Derby County, there's been spells where we've been able to watch non-elite football. So I've been to Michelever Sports quite a bit. And um, Archie still is there very regularly, just stood watching. Just like, you can just tell his love of the game, just stood not, but he's not one of those characters that's going around having selfies with people or I'm Archie. He's just stood his cap on watching football and it's incredible to watch still to have that love of the game now. Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a great man and he's, his beliefs are, I remember, I think it was a testimonial um, somewhere um, and it didn't have enough pairs of shorts and they give Archie something like ridiculously shorts and he just went, he went, I'm not wearing them. And he just walked out. He went, no, I'm not playing that. And that was his mentality. He wanted everything to be correct. Um, and just, yeah, I just, for once, I think the wife's in the air shorts. I, I think, um, I love the man. I think, um, you know, for, for, for what he did for me, and I don't think he really, Realizes he did that. It was just me watching him and and thinking, yeah, that's that's the way I should be in terms of um, you know the mentality of being trying to be a football player. It's great man. Yeah, he is an amazing man. And we, we mentioned stick from fans earlier, and then you've mentioned about uh, management and Archie's management methods, and you went in. Um, to management and it must be a completely different level of stick in, in Hungary managing is, is that just are they fanatic well, well I think I think it was a it was a massive football club that had um, struggled for six or seven years um, huge huge football club I have to say Ferenc Farris massive but they'd struggled and they couldn't they couldn't get into the top league they'd been trying you know, lots of coaches uh, been trying, trying for, for years. And I was, I was fortunate enough to go. Um, I think what, what helped me, I was asked to go and have a look and see what was needed. Not, not to take the manager who was there then, his job. It was just, can you, can you um, have a look and see what you think that might be needed that could get us over uh, into the top flight again. So I had, I think, probably six weeks there, got on great with the, with the coach, thought the coach was fantastic, his assistant, um, who we're still, still friends now, um, was a really, really good coach, um, but things didn't, didn't quite work out, out for him, um, and, and he, he left, um, and they just asked me if, if, I, if I would take over, so I, I took over, and I, I sort of re, realised quite quickly having been there watching what, what teams did. So every time Ferenc Farish lost the ball, the opposition and won the ball back, the opposition dropped deep into their own half. And it was just like a wall of you know, players. And you couldn't, and everything was slow. Everything was slow. And if a, obviously, you know what fans are like, if there's a pass that gets mislaid and slow, they get onto, onto them. Um, and they couldn't break teams down. And it was just, I looked and I had the coach that was there before, 
assistant coach and we just we talked and talked and I said, we need to lift the tempo. The tempo has to be. So as soon as we win it, we've got to get back to front, but we can't hit long balls because that's not accepted over there. We've got to play quick football. So we've got to get players in, like I mentioned earlier, it's about players. We've got to get players in, like fullbacks who could bomb forward, wingers who are, you know, quick and tricky and get balls in the box. So we we set out to do that. Um, you know, and it and it was working. But what I did find out, which is um very interesting, is their mentality of the supporters was you have to win every game, but you have to win every game playing good football. Wow. We went, we went to um, one of the, I think the first six, seven games, we played a, a team that was right down the bottom of the league. They moved the stadium, their pitch to uh, this, this other pitch that was not very, not very nice, but we should be better on there. And we went down with 10 men, 10 men within 10 minutes. So, so we had to play the whole game. But we won 3-1. But when we got back to the stadium, there was, I don't know, a few hundred supporters there demonstrating, going absolutely crazy. Uh, and I found out that is, yeah, you won the game, but you didn't play very well. Wow. So that was that was their mentality. So as a coach, we had to work out that we have to play good attacking football um, and win games. So what, it wasn't good enough to play a good attacking football and everybody was, yeah, brilliant, but lose the game or draw the game, you had to win. So the bottom line was you had to win every game playing good football. It's not going to happen. No. But, no. but we had more success doing that and getting the right players. And I got, you know, I took a, a lad who played over in England for a couple of seasons, big centre forward. He went back and he scored 33 goals for, me, for, for us. Um, which was fantastic, you know. Um, but we had defensively out of possession, we were very, very good, very strong, won it back. Then, then going forward, we just had two really good wide players, two strong fullbacks who could do both jobs attack and defend. Um, and somewhere he could put the ball in the back of the net. Um, so I loved it, absolutely, absolutely loved it. I'd go back tomorrow if I could, really. Yeah, I think um, the football, the, the right right throughout the academy system, um, in, into into the first team, um, the technical ability of the players were fantastic. It was just you had to work on the mindset because um, I had a, a centre half who had played and he was I think just thirty two um, when I had um, um, he had played in Hungary, but he also played in Portugal and he played, he played national team, but he was one of these where um, he was a hothead to centre back and he would if he was having a bad game or missed a tackle or anything, he would just go and take somebody out and so he had to, he had to work with them kind of people and say you know, that's where you know, yeah, you, you sort of yeah, your one-on-ones, you know, trying to teach him, you know, he, he's looking at me as an English coach coming in, new coach. He's an experienced senior player. He's he's looking at me going, what are you talking about? So you've got to win them. You've got to not only win the fans over, you've got to win them type of players over. Um, I did as well. I had um, a, a lad who, top, top player, I played in Germany at, very, at the top level, Christian Listers. Um, he, he came in and we were on the same wavelength. He was fantastic. He was, he was very similar to Archie in terms of, you know, how he played, how he kept himself um, in great shape. Um, great, great guy. Um, and I wanted him to stay and come on the coaching side, but he he was going into business um, outside of football. So he had a massive business, but he was a top, top... Um, he was Hungarian, but he played in Germany most of his life. So... Learn great deal, but um, learning, looking at the academy players, technically fantastic. There's a boy at um, Bristol City, Adam Nudge, 
Um, I took him to, we, when we had the academy in Spain, I picked him up from an amateur club in Hungary when he was just turned 16. Took him um, to Spain for, I think, two years. He went back to Fernsvaris, then got in the first team of Fernsvaris, got the national team, then got, I think, a three million euro move to Bologna. Then Bristol City, then Bristol City bought him. Um, he came from an amateur. So there's lots of good young players out there, you have to say, but it's having people going to see these people, but then recognising something, but then thinking, yeah, but there's a lot of work to do with them. Mentality, you know, physical side as well. So, but what What's life at the minute then? Are you still involved in the coaching side? No, I can't. I'm trying to get back in, but I can't get back in. Um, applied for the um, Burton job. Really? Never got a reply. Um, wow. But I understand why they took Jimmy. You know, he'd been there before. He was successful, so you know, no complaints there. Um, applied for 18's job at Leicester. Never got a reply, which is... Um, but it happens, I, I suppose. Um, I look at it. I don't know if you've ever watched um, programs when they're, you know, the the big shows in the theatres in London, and when they're yeah. when they're or they're, or, they're um, they get getting the dancers to come or singers oh, to come. Yeah. No, no. But when they when they've all come and they're just trying to pick who who they want. Oh, got yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah, auditions yeah. And, yeah, the, yeah. and the and the all they're all on stage and people come and go. Yeah, like you, like you, like you. Five of them. Rest of you. Thank you. Off you go. It's a bit like that in football now. So somebody's picking CVs up and go like him, like him, like him. Rest of them. Yeah, not bothered about them. Is it, it is. Is it a case of too many coaches and not enough jobs? Um, no, I don't think so. Because I think um, there's a lot of jobs with with academy football now. I think, um, but there's a lot of. I have to say, people who I would say don't trust their own ability in terms of if I if I was I don't know a, a manager or an academy academy manager or a coach uh, and I don't know let's say Alex Ferguson came up and wanted a job I'd be going oh yes come and join us but you've got people. You know, at clubs now we go, Alex Ferguson, oh, he might take my job now, Binham. Yeah. You get you get the best people around you because that makes you look better. Yeah. For me, that's what businessmen do. Yeah. I think. Um, but it's not like that. It's not like that, unfortunately, in football. Um so my next my next port of call is um I just applied for the Grimsby Town job. Hey. Oh. Yeah, but I wanted to be fair. I think um, I, I probably won't get anything over here. I'm going to have to go back over to Europe. Um, I could, I don't want to go. I had a chance to go to Vietnam. I went over there for uh, three weeks and um, did some coaching and got a position, but it was just um, it was a bit too far from home, mm. you know. Because you know, if you've got elder, you know, parents are elder, elderly um, and trying to get back. It's not like in Europe. It's, you know, it's two hours on an aeroplane, mm-hmm. not well, not twelve. You know, and then you drive back from Europe as well, yeah. which I have done many times in Budapest. Really? <laughs> yeah, wow. many times. Well, best of luck with. Um, <coughs> excuse me. With the um, best of luck with with finding your next role in your football knowledge. Yeah, incredible. Some of them come up. Long out of it. Uh, yeah, some will, some will come up. I mean, you know, I've got experience of, you know, working with England under 19s. Derby County player Andre, Andre Wisdom was in was in our, our squad. Um, I said on Rams TV a few weeks ago that um, for me, Andre hasn't looked himself or the player I, I know when we had him with the 19s a couple of years ago. Um, don't think he's a fullback. I think he's a centre back or that holding midfield player. For me, that's that's two positions he played um, with us with England. Um, but he's a great kid. 
and, and hopefully he, he gets back to the the form he had when he was um, running about with the England shirt on. Yeah, we had him on loan in 2014 and he looked a different player to the player he's been since he returned on a permanent. Yeah, I think a lot yeah. of fans have spotted that. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's, a great, he's a great kid as well. Really good. Really good to work with. Brilliant. Yeah, he seems like a model a model pro from from videos and, and different people I've spoke to that I've seen that he, he trains well and he does the right yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah, he's good. Good lad. The, the the last question I always ask everybody, and it always gets a different answer. I don't, I think I know what you're going to say, but do you have any regrets across your whole career? Anything you change? Um, well, I think what you're saying. Never look back. Never have regrets. Uh, I, I don't I don't believe in that. I think um, yeah, I think it doesn't help. But I think you do look back and go, yeah, should I have done this? Should I have done that? I think um, my my I think. One of one of my biggest regrets is that as soon as I thought that I thought I could play forever, mm-hmm. I think it was, that was my downfall. I think uh, I played till I was forty. I probably would have carried on play. Well, I would have done because Terry Dolan wanted me to stay at Hull if he kept the job and be a like a player coach, and that would that would have changed. But um, obviously, he, he got the sack. Then um, um, I left. Then I had to go hunting about to see what I wanted to do. And I don't think I really knew what exactly I wanted to do. I think management side, yeah, went into coaching. Um, I think my regret would have been when I came to the end, I would have went straight in to um, academy coaching. You know, taking the 16s, 14s, something like that, and learn a bit more about teaching the young kids. Um, then moved on up a step, up a step, and eventually became a you know first team coach. So that's that's probably my only regret that I didn't do it sooner. Yeah, well, I, I'm trying to find a I'm trying to find a job as well. So when you get your first your, your next uh, management role, I'll come in as like your medium man or like your right hand man, and we'll do it together. Well, um, funny, funny you should say that. I mean, uh, they're in demand, aren't they, media men? Yeah, they, they are. Yeah, it's it's a yeah. good it's a good um, it's a good thing to get into doing podcasts and stuff. Get yourself out there, Bobby. It's it's the way to go. But I think also as well, you know, I think players enjoy or like talking to people who are on this sort of like the same level understand where they're where they're coming from i think um i think the top reporters can can you know talk talk to players and and and, and get really good information but then then ones that players are, are not too fussed about they won't say much to them so it's like yourself you know you've got you've had me talking you know for, for a long time so I think you're well on the way to to being that um, that media man. Well, anyway, you. take over from Colin Gibson because he's ancient now. Aren't he? <laughs> you can't slag Gimbo off. He's like a national treasure in Derby. I know, <laughs> but he's he, was he? I think he's was he a year younger than the Queen. Yeah. God, he's been around forever. Well, you have to tap him up and say, right, Blake wants to be your apprentice. Come on, let's let's hand the reins over. <laughs> oh, I just take over from him, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Bobby. I've really loved no, it. I've kept it way too long, um, but thank you so much. It's been amazing. Listen, I knew I was coming on, so I did all my, um, my I did me, me running this morning. I've done the ironing just before you I came on to this. So I've had Is an that hour, the five-minute delay? I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was finishing the ironing off. <laughs> So, so I've done all that. So, no, it's been a pleasure, mate. I, I, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and like, like I just again thank everybody at Derby County, the football club, the supporters who, you know, um, have supported me, liked me, not liked me. But all I can say to them is, I give every, I give a hundred percent every, every time I went out on that field um, and that's I think that's all I keep saying this this story if somebody told me years ago that if somebody went up to a supporter and said 
So your supporters sitting in the stand and we went up to you and said, listen, somebody's gone down injured or sick. Um, we need somebody to come and, and take his place. And can you do that? And you say, yeah, I can do it. What would you do? And the answer is that supporter would, if it's just for 10 minutes, absolutely give you everything you've got. 10 minutes, 20 minutes, half an hour. And if you do that, uh, being a professional athlete for 90 minutes or however long you're on the pitch, supporters will forgive you for little mistakes that you make. I think that's. I think you've hit the nail on the head, especially with Derby fans. We, if you look at the court heroes over the last few years, they've not been the talented flair players. They've been the Jake Buxtons, the Sean Barkers, the Craig Brysons, the ones who have just run for a brick wall and just give everything. And that's all Derby fans ever want. Yeah, exactly. That's all they want, yeah. Good. Brilliant. Good to talk to you, mate. Thank you so much. Stay safe, won't you? And take care. Anytime. I will do. Cheers, Cheers pal. Take Take care. Bye-bye.